Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Hello, my name is John Wilson. My wife Connie and I have attended Cornerstone here for about two years since moving to Parker from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. We're here because of two granddaughters. Hope is seven and Kate is four. But as she now tells us, I'm four and a half, Papa. (laughs) I'm a retired Assemblies of God pastor. Connie is a retired public school teacher. Pastor Mike Jones is in Michigan today. You know that he and his family will be moving there at the end of the school year. They have bought a house, and he will be joining them all um, at the end of the school year. He asked me to speak on the subject, The Fall of Man. This is part of the Foundation series. We'll be reading a lot of scripture this morning, and it's from the New American Standard Translation. Now, a lot of the scriptures are going to be shown on the screen, but I know that many of you brought your phones, you know, the new Bibles, and brought your iPad, and you can get the New American Standard. If you go to the church app, go to the Cornerstone app, and you click Media, and then you click Read Bible, and then you click New American Standard, and we're all together, okay? Um, I know it's sometimes hard to have one version in your hand, and Someone is reading another, so if we all get together on the New American Standard. Here is a quote that um, I think is extremely powerful, and I want us to read it together. Okay? Please read. The Gospel states we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared to believe, but more accepted and loved than we ever dared hope. That's by a pastor, Timothy Keller. Read it again. The gospel states we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared to believe, but more accepted and loved than we ever dared hope. We live in a spiritually fallen world. People are cruel. Even the best people are cruel. We live in a state of depravity. The Apostle Paul says that people are seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, 1 Timothy. To be seared is to be dried up or to be withered. People are cruel to other people. Our news is filled with one heartbreaking story after another. Reports of shootings, deaths, drug overdoses, kidnappings, homelessness. People move to the suburbs to try to get away from the city and its problems, yet the problems are here. I drove a big yellow school bus when I was in seminary and we were starting our church. One day I was driving an afternoon run when the bus broke down, and we were instructed at that time that if we had a bus breakdown, 
we were to go to a nearby house and ask the people to call the bus barn. This was long before cell phones, long before two-way radios. We had a piece of official school district stationery with the number of the bus barn. And we were to hand that to the person and ask them to call and then return to the bus. I was in a very nice neighborhood, similar to Parker. The doorbell was answered by a very disheveled lady, still in her bathrobe. Her eyes were bleary. Her hair was unkempt. The smell of alcohol was strong. She did help me. But in this very nice house, with a very nice yard, was a drunk woman at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. What led her to that condition? That was long before our current drug culture. When I retired as pastor, we had in our church a St. Louis County police officer who was assigned to our precinct. And his full-time assignment was the investigation of illegal drug traffic in a nice suburban neighborhood. Life is filled with hurts. Parents hurt for their children. Divorce hurts. Betrayal hurts. Lying hurts. No one wants to be lied to. There is a universal repulsion to lying. Loss of hope hurts. Is hurt the plan of God? Does God want people to be cruel to one another? Does God value deception? Is lying part of the plan of God? Well, Romans chapter 1 describes the human condition in very graphic terms. We're going to read Romans chapter 1. If you're using your phone, it's Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 25. And I would like for everyone to read this together. <clears throat> for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Romans chapter 1. Now we have lived in that condition for so long that we think it's normal. But how did we get into that condition? Well, to know how we got there, we have to turn to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. The first point I make with you, God created the world. We're going to read Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> you do it from your phone or here. Please together. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts, by the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work 
which God had created and made. <clears throat> the universe is an absolute miracle. It is in perfect balance to support our life. If the earth was a little bit closer to the sun, we would all burn up. If it was a little bit farther away, we would all freeze. Man was created with awesome abilities and potential. Adam, the first man, named all of the animals. Adam and Eve were told to populate the earth and to subdue it. And they were given the ability to do that. They lived in ideal conditions in the Garden of Eden. Now, let's read from Genesis 2. If you're using your phone, it's Genesis 2, 18 to 25, or it will be here on the screen. Let's all read it together. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. He gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Scientific discoveries are constantly being made to show the awesome nature of the universe God created. Think of DNA. Each of the billions of people that have lived on the earth have a unique plan that dictates how their body is to build. DNA can identify people long dead. Now from a swab of saliva in your mouth, your entire genetic history can be told. I had my DNA done through Ancestry. I'm 98% Northern European. The world that God created is awesome and is perfect. Point two, God gave freedom of choice to people. Now we're going to read Genesis chapter 3. If you're using your phone, it's Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Or we read it together, please, from the screen. Please read. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, God has said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. 
The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loin claws, loin coverings. God gave his creation the freedom to choose against him. The choice to choose against God brought consequences. Ever since man disobeyed God, humanity has endured pain, suffering, and toil in every part of life. From the struggle of providing for a family and finding a home to experiencing pain in childbirth, it is all the result of the curse God brought on the earth after the fall of man. The event is referred to as the fall of man because the curse that Adam's sin brought on the world did not just apply to him, but to every human being that followed him and to the entire world. Women bear children in great pain. Men work by the sweat of their brow, meaning stress. Adam and Eve were expelled from their idyllic home, and man fell from his place in the Garden of Eden. By their choice, they lost close fellowship with God and set them adrift on their own. When Adam chose to rebel against his creator, he lost his innocence. He felt guilt. The guilt caused Adam and Eve to hide in the Garden of Eden and to make clothes out of animal skins. Guilt is the all-encompassing emotion felt by every person. The feeling of guilt tempers everything that we do. Money is a source of innumerable feelings of guilt. We feel guilt because we lack money. A young child feels guilty when her clothes are not as pretty as another girl's clothes. But rich people feel guilty at possessing money, so they make excuses for their wealth. Health is a source of guilt. Healthy people feel guilty because there are so many sick people around. Sick people feel guilty because they have to spend so much money on procedures and on medicine, and they have to call in sick. Social suggestion is this course of feelings of guilt. A disapproving silence, a scornful or a mocking look, a remark all triggers feelings of guilt. Tall people feel guilty because they look down on people. Short people feel guilty because they don't measure up. Everyone feels guilty for something. Privilege brings guilty feelings. A quality employee is promoted to a higher responsibility, and he feels guilty toward his fellow employees who were not promoted. A girl who is asked to sing in a church program at Christmas feels guilt toward her friend who would have loved to have had that part. 
Every negative comment that is made registers deep in our souls as guilt. We are guilty for something. A guilty conscience is indeed the inevitable seasoning of our daily lives. By his choice, Adam felt the sting of death. Before making his choice, Adam and Eve lived in this idyllic situation. They would have lived forever because they had no sin. But by their choice to choose against God, death was introduced into the universe. The universe and everything in it is dying. The universe operates according to the second law of thermodynamics, or entropy. Everything is slowing down. Everything will someday be dead. Every car will stop. Every plane will stop. Every heart will stop. Everything will die. By their choice, Adam and Eve's minds were darkened. They could not see clearly, nor could they think clearly. So they became treacherous and cruel. One of their sons murdered another son. Thus the way of human nature was opened to the earth. The Apostle Paul describes the resulting life in the book of Romans. We're now going to read from Romans 1.26 to 2.1. If you follow on your phone, Romans 1.26. Or we will all read from the screen. Please read together. For this reason, God gave them over to a degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself, for who you judge practice the same things. That is our world. We try to dress it up with air-conditioned houses and reward offering credit cards, but take a peek around the corner and you see human depravity. Pornography is one click away on your computer. Sex trafficking is just outside the door. Point number three, God offers salvation. Now, let's read Romans 3, verses 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, 
being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. We believe, based on the Bible, that God had a grand plan for life. He created a perfect world with a sun, with a moon, with fish, with birds, with mammals, with people, all made in his image. He gave those perfect people the power to choose. The perfect people chose against him, bringing death into his perfect world. The now sin-stained, formerly perfect people could not help themselves. They were prisoners, unable to free themselves. The only hope would come from outside. It would be God himself who would penetrate this world with his son, Jesus Christ, who would take all of that sin to the cross and pay the price for it and conquer death. Jesus entered this dying world. He was the perfect substitute for fallen man. He was God's own son. Just as sin brought death to the earth, so one man's life brought life to the earth and to the human family. Here's a very short list of the benefits brought to humanity by Jesus and Christianity. Number one, the sanctity of human life. Infanticide, killing of infants, abandoning of infants, abortion were common and easily accepted in the Greco-human world. Christianity brought a whole new view of life. Christianity elevated sexual morality. Greco and Roman societies were noted for immoral sexual practices. Christians did not practice them nor participate in them, and as a result were hated and persecuted. Three, women received freedom and dignity. The way Jesus treated women was in sharp contrast to the way women were treated in the Greco-human world and in the modern Islamic world. See how Jesus treated women. Number four, charity and compassion. Christian charity is giving to strangers, expecting nothing in return. Other cultures give charity to family, but not to strangers. Hospitals and health care. The first Christian hospital can be dated to 369 A.D. in Cappadocia, modern Turkey. Many hospitals have Christian names. They're St. Luke's, St. John's. Education. Christians open schools for both sexes and all social classes. Universal education. Major universities were founded as Christian institutions. Christians started schools for handicapped people, blind and deaf. Seven, labor and economic freedom. The dignity of labor was produced, produced the middle class. The Protestant work ethic led to the development of Western society. Number eight, slavery was abolished. William Wilberforce, a strong Christian and member of the British Parliament, led the movement to abolish slavery in the British Empire in 1833. I believe that if Jesus had not come, the human race would have self-destructed because hate and sin were so strong. But salvation in Jesus brings us these kinds of benefits. First of all, God knows that we hurt. So his son said, come to me, 
All ye who are weary and heavy-hearted, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. God knows that we are prisoners of all sorts of self-help to get us through the day. We're blind to our own condition, so his son said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. God knows we fear the future, and so we do everything to protect ourselves. We attempt to guarantee our safety. So his son said to us, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. God knows that we get lonely. Who is more lonely than a young orphan deprived of her parents? So Jesus said, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. God knows that people need a purpose for living. So Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The power of the curse of sin is broken in Jesus. In Jesus, there is freedom from guilt. Salvation is the work of God. <coughs> it is a gift. I had nothing to do with Jesus coming to earth. That was 2,000 years ago. I had nothing to do with the transmission of the gospel to someone who told me. That happened. My only response is to accept and say, thank you. In my time as pastor, I delivered a lot of anonymous gifts to people. One time, I delivered 12 big brown paper bags of groceries to a needy family. And as I stood at the door, they said, oh, we can't take those. Well, after we talked for a while, they accepted them. At another time, I presented a gift, and the person said, oh, tell the donor I will repay this. At another time, someone said, who can I thank? These were all free gifts given to needy people. The only response is to accept the gift and say, thank you. Salvation is the same. It is a free gift given to needy people. All I can do is accept God's gift and say, thank you. Jesus saves people. I've told you three things. First thing I told you, God created the perfect universe. Second thing I told you, God gave freedom of choice to people. And the third thing I told you, God offers salvation. Connie and I have been involved with Teen Challenge of St. Louis, the best alcohol and drug rehabilitation ministry there is, 
for more than 40 years. We can tell you stories of despondent, hopeless, addicted people who have been set free by the power of Jesus. They go to a new life. Those people were harmless young people who made some bad choices, and they got in with some bad people, and they slid all the way to the bottom. He might have been arrested and sentenced to jail, but an insightful judge offered him an opportunity to go to Teen Challenge. Maybe it was a loving family member who encouraged him to go to Teen Challenge. Maybe she was alone on the streets and she made a decision to go to Teen Challenge. Possibly he had been in an accident or suffered a severe illness which moved him to go to Teen Challenge. God used that marvelous spirit-filled ministry to free men and women from the prison of addiction. I have a letter here. I received it this month. We get these every month when we make a, a contribution. This is from one of the women who is currently at the Teen Challenge Center in St. Louis. God has heard my cry and helped me out of my pit of despair. At first, the court said I had only to stay at Teen Challenge for four months, but now they say I must stay 12. I was devastated for 48 hours. I was crushed and hurt and not understanding. I felt like God is not for me, but against me. I have been dreaming of going back home to my son, and now it will be even longer. But after prayers by me and my leaders, and after lengthy discussions, I am changing my mind and adjusting my thinking. And these verses have helped. Quote, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of a pit of despair and out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked. Psalm 40. I have learned to be patient as God hears us when we call out to him. He wants us to call him when we are in despair. And he also wants us to seek him when things are going good, not just bad. Thank you for your gift. Jesus saves. There is hope. Come to Jesus and be forgiven. Please stand. We're going to sing a very old song. If you've ever been to a Billy Graham crusade, you've sung just as I am. And as we do, if there's anyone who would like to come to Jesus to be forgiven, please come here. If there's anyone who would like prayer for a need that you face, please come and stand here. And let's just reach out our hearts to the Lord. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am 
God, how grateful we are for that open door and that invitation. You break the power of addiction. You remove the guilt. You make us free people to stand in your light. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the gift of Jesus and new life. I ask special grace and blessing upon every person here every home, every family, that Jesus, Jesus will be exalted. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. God bless you as you go in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.